Amen. Wow. Can we give the Lord another hand clap of praise just for how wonderful and how awesome uh, a God he is and how, man, God is good. He is so good. And he deserves all the praise and all the glory. Amen. I'm an amen preacher, by the way. Just wanted to let you guys know that. So just, <laughs> Zach, thank you again for that, that wonderful worship. Uh, and I consider it so fortunate that we have him as a worship leader. And um, I'm just so thankful for the opportunity to be here. Uh, thank you, Reverend Jessica Legrone, for uh, extending the invitation to be here at chapel and bring the word of the Lord to you guys. This is a homecoming for me. Uh, man, just as an alumni now looking back and being here, I'm like, gosh, man, I envy you guys. You just get to soak in the word and just get all of this teaching. And it's like, wow. But then I got to thinking about Hebrews. And I was like, I don't envy you all too much. <laughs> but, but man, I, I do indeed miss it. I, I, I'm so thankful for the opportunity uh, that the seminary afforded me in terms of uh, to pursue an um, academic degree in, in theology and to pursue that. And so I'm so thankful for all of my, what I consider those, those professors, those legends, those mentors from uh, Dr. Ella Mormon to Dr. Milton Lowe to, oh gosh, man, Dr. Donjol and Dr. Bayer, and man, I, the, the list goes on and on, and, and Dr. Siemens, those who just poured into my life and uh, made my life so much richer and helped me and prepared me and equipped me to go forth in ministry and the call to reach the lost in a uh, broken world. And I also want to just thank President Tennant and his wife, Mrs. Tennant, for their leadership and how they've led the seminary in uh, all of these times. And so I'm so, so thankful to be a part of the alumni to the Asbury community, as you guys know, to the seminary. It's been phenomenal to be a part of uh, this, this great and amazing community. Um, I, yeah, so I have some, some, something I just want to share coming out of Ephesians chapter 4 with you guys, uh, 2 through 7. Uh, you'll hear a little bit of my own story and journey in terms of what's going on uh, with us and our church as I, I kind of talk a little bit about about this scripture, but I, I do just want to say something before we kind of start there in regards of just a song that we was just singing, thinking about Joshua. And we, we're living in a time where people are um, asking us or asking you to choose a side. Whose side are you going to be on? Are you going to be on this side or you're on that side? You're, you know, you're, you're, you're on the black side or the white side? You're on the left side or the right? All of these sides. Are, and it just reminded me when Joshua came in to possess the promised land. And when he came into that land getting ready to come to Jericho, there was this angel of the Lord there. You guys remember that? You're, you're, I know you. And then he's standing there with that sword, right? And the first thing out of Joshua's mouth was, hey, you know, whose side are you on? Are you on our side or are you on the side of the enemy? And what did that angel say? He said, hey, I'm not on either side, but I'm on the Lord's side. It's the, it, I've come because of him. And so my question this morning to you guys, whose side are you on? Are you on the Lord's side? This is the only side that matters. Amen? His side. His side. And so I just want to kind of share some things as we look at this division that, that we see in our world and this, the brokenness that we see, especially as it pertains to multi-ethnic uh, uh, division and we, we see a racial division. Um, I want to just share a couple of things with you guys this morning coming out of Ephesians that I think we as a church have to be uh, 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 thinking about in terms of leadership and how we lead. Amen. Can I share a little bit with you guys about that? 
Well, one of the things I first want to say this morning is um, when I was small, I remember uh, getting this little toy, which was called the kaleidoscope toy. Anybody remember that little thing? You would look in it and it, you would turn it and it would have all of these fascinating colors, right? All of these different designs and you would just go, wow! And you would turn it and you will see another new color, another new design. And one of the cool things about, about this toy was always something new. It was always a fresh new design, always a new uh, color, something that was always fresh, something that was always new, a new design, a new pattern. And don't you know that God is like that in terms of who he is? He's always displaying a fresh new revelation, a fresh new facet of himself. And, and, and that new facet, that new reflection in terms of who he is, that uniqueness of God is reflected in us. Did you know that? That when we come together, we see another part of God that we didn't know when we come as a community and as a church, right? In our own ethnic identity and diversity. And so I, I thought that was really cool, but somebody asked me a question uh, several years ago, and we, we were talking, well, it really wasn't a question. Uh, it was a statement that they made, and it was a good friend of mine, and we were talking, he was a, um, a Caucasian male, and, and I'm sitting and we're talking. He said, Harvey, he said, I want you to know through all of this stuff, I, I want you to know that our friendship means the, the most to me. He said, I want you to know that I'm not colorblind. He said, he said, I'm not, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't think this idea of, of colorblind is the issue. He said, I don't see color, is what he said. I don't see color. And he said that, and I knew what he was saying. I knew he was probably talking about, uh, I really, I'm looking at the, the, the heart of who you are. I'm just looking at the essence of you as a person. But and I'm not looking at your flesh, but I'm looking at your heart, right? And so I, I, I get it. I know what he was saying, but, but if we say that in terms of when we say I don't see color or I'm colorblind, when we make those statements, uh, sometimes that, that can be misconstrued. Sometimes it can mean to people personally that you're not taking or considering their ethnic identity. It could mean that you're asking them to leave that, that identity at the table and, and just come into, to be this other person that, that you, don't, you don't relate to or that's not who you are. And so when he was saying that, I kind of got what he was saying, but at the same time, I began to question, is it okay to be colorblind? Is it okay to be colorblind? A famous NFL football player by the name of J.C. Watt said this. He said, I'm looking forward to the day when America will mature to the point that we are a colorblind society. A colorblind society. And so my question this morning is, should we see color? Should color matter in the kingdom of God? Or a better question I can ask you guys, is God colorblind? Is God colorblind? In other words, does he uh, think about color and diversity? Is this something that's important to him? And, you know, so I, I was thinking about this, and I happened to come across a gentleman by the name of Paul Jackson Pollock. Paul Jackson Pollock was a famous painter. Matter of fact, he kind of uh, arose in what they call the Expressionist movement. It was the abstract painting uh, during that time. And what abstract expressionist painting was, was this kind of painting where when the painter would paint a picture, he wouldn't have meaning behind the picture. It was left up to his viewers to interpret that meaning. They, they were the ones that brought meaning and emotion in terms of what they saw. 
and to some people it looked sort of chaotic in terms of, of these paintings. It had no real definition and, and, and so uh, uh, Pollock, he was real famous and he was famously known for this painting that was called drip painting. Drip painting. Somebody say that with me. Drip painting. He, he was famous for this drip painting, and what drip painting was is that you would take this brush and you would take these, this, these different colors and he would just splatter these colors all across the canvas and just sling it all across various colors. And when you would look at it, it looked chaotic. It looked like it just didn't make sense. It looked like your kid just got a hold of some paint and went crazy. <laughs> That's what it looked like. But there was something more, and, and, and what they said about Pollock, I love this, it said, it looks as though he merely stepped back and threw paint at a canvas. But every movement, or every movement of the can or brush was done with purpose. Was done with purpose. In other words, when you saw all of these various different colors on this canvas, it's only when they came together there was this unified purpose that really showed this bigger and more glorious picture. Let me tell you something about diversity. Diversity is beautiful, but true ethnic diversity is beautiful when it shares a unified purpose when it shares a unified purpose. See, this is what I love about God and his creation. You see, when God created the world, when he created all of these unique things and this all is this diversity, I think about when he created the birds. He created this one bird to sing this one wonderful song, and that song was glorious and great. But God didn't stop there, right? He created another bird to sing another song. And then he created another different bird to sing another different song. So what is that? So when the morning of dawn broke forth, all of these birds began to sing. And when they sung the, their own separate song, it made this glorious, harmonious tune that brought glory to God. I'm so glad that he didn't create just one bird with one song. I'm so glad that he created multitudes of birds with various different songs. There's something powerful about ethnic diversity when we come together and we begin to worship the Lord in our own uniqueness in terms of the, the diverse experience of who we are. When we can come together and worship one living God, there's a purpose behind that. God is glorified in that. And I think it's great and it's amazing. So the question here is why is multi-ethnicity multi so important when it comes to the kingdom of God? Why, why, what is it that we need to be doing as a church? Well, let me just share a, a little story here real quickly with you guys. I had the opportunity during my uh, D-Men uh, program to do some actual uh, ex experience learning where we had a chance to go and visit a couple of uh, different churches. Uh, one of the churches that we visited was a church called Willcrest Baptist Church in uh, Houston, Texas. Willcrest Baptist Church. And one of the fascinating things that I learned about Willcrest Baptist Church at that time when we went there, there was a new pastor there, but he was telling us about a pastor that had, had started there at the church uh, by the name of Rodney Wu. And Rodney Wu was a Chinese-American pastor who took the position at Willcrest and um, matter of fact, uh, Rodney Wu wrote a book uh, called The Color of Church. 
And if you haven't got that book, I just want to make a little plug. This is a great book to get, a great read in terms of multi-ethnicity. Um, and uh, he has a little story. Some of the things I'll talk about is, is related to his book. Um, but one of the things he, he, he mentioned is when he came to the church, he took an interview uh, just by, um, by, by phone, and he came to the church to, to see the people and meet the, the, the uh, main board members of the church. And he sat down with the church. And one of the things he noticed that when he came in the church, the majority of the people in the church was a, a Caucasian audience. But when he looked outside in terms of the community, the community was vastly different. There was multiple zip codes. There was all kind of ethnicities from African to Hispanic to Asian, all kind of different, but diverse people in, in, in the community, but it wasn't reflected in the church. And so uh, Pastor Rodney, he asked the, the, the church, well, you know, why aren't we doing anything in terms of reaching uh, our, our, the community outside? And that group of folks said, we are. Uh, matter of fact, we're, we're, we're reaching the Hispanic community. He said, okay, how so? What are you doing? He said, well, they're using our facility. He said, okay. He said, yeah, we have, they, they have their congregation in the evening, and we have our congregation in the morning. But we, hey, we're, we're working together. <laughs> He said, well, are you guys like eating together? Are you kind of like talking and doing things together? And they were like, no, we're not, we're not doing And then he knew, he said, okay, I, I have some work to do, right? I have some work to do. Um, and so he began to talk to the people about multi-ethnicity in terms of reaching out beyond their own barrier and experience to witness to the greater community and to, to bring people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, man, when we got a chance to be there, he's no longer there, he's over, he, I think he's a pastor in Singapore now, but we got to kind of see the fruit of his labor and all of the people. Uh, it's a totally different church. I mean, we, we walked into the church doors and we went to the service and the first thing I noticed when I came in the service is there were flags all up and down, all the way down the, the, the walls, just all kind of different nationalities. And then the people came in, 100 to 200, 300, 400 people, and we're all worshiping together, and they're all from different languages, all from different ethnicities, and they're all together, and we're all kind of talking and connecting, and I'm like, man, where am I at? <laughs> you know? Is this, is this real, you know? And we're, we're hanging out, and then the cool thing happened. All of a sudden, they got ready to worship. And when they got ready to worship, um, these older white males came up, looked like they might have been in their 60s, and, and they came up and they, they came on stage, and that one had a banjo, another one had a guitar, and they were just sitting there, and I said, okay, what are we getting ready to do? And they, they were getting ready to play, they put a little southern gospel tune. I'm like, okay, this is great. This is cool. I can, I can dig this, right? <laughs> But then all of a sudden, this young hip-hop group of folks of African-American uh, people and, and Hispanic group, they come up and they have their instruments. And all of a sudden, they get together and they begin to worship God. And I'm blown away because I would have never thought that Southern gospel and hip-hop could go together. But somehow in the grace and the power and the glory of God, it was a great sound. It was awesome. It was awesome to experience ethnicity in worship, to experience the differences coming together. It brought glory to God. And I was blown away. I was blown away by it. 
This morning, I just want to share a couple of things with you and give you a, a, a theology behind this idea of multi-ethnicity, to give you this theology behind unity and diversity, because here's the question, can unity and diversity coexist together? Can they coexist together? And so I, I want to share a couple of things, and one of the things I want to share before we dive into uh, Ephesians here, one of the things that if you, you hadn't seen in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, that's one of the first pictures that we see about unity and diversity. And that comes from the scripture when God speaks and he says, let us make man in our image. In our image and according to our likeness. Now my question is, and I know you, we've got some great scholars and theologians here, you know, what was God talking about when he said, let us? Who was he talking about? Was he talking about the hosts of heaven? Or was he talking about the angels? No, because we're not made into the image of angels, right? We're made in God's image. Who was he talking about? He's talking about the Trinity. He's talking about the triune nature of God. What are you talking about? I'm talking about God being unity, God being one, but yet being diversity, being uniquely different. Three persons in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All existing together this oneness, this unity, and this diversity. And we see that in Genesis chapter 1. And then we, we also see it uh, coming when God um, created male and female when, in the image when he created marriage in this covenant of marriage. It says the two shall be what? One. But yet they're still uniquely two. Two different personalities, right? But yet coming together as one. Unity and diversity. Can both can exist together? Yes, they can. And, and Paul talks about this idea of striving for unity when he talks here in Ephesians, uh, when we look in Ephesians, and he says, hey, make every effort. Somebody say effort. Make every effort. In other words, he says, be eager to keep the spirit of unity. He says, keep, be eager to make every effort to keep the, uh, the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. The unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. One of the biggest things that I want to talk to you about this morning in terms of unity, that unity is, when it says the unity of the Spirit, this unity is something that the Spirit gives, right? And man doesn't create this, right? This is not of man, this is of something of God. This is of the Spirit. And it's not something that we can create or do, but it's something that the Spirit himself gives. You see, when I think about the world's kind of unity, there's this kind of surface kind of unity. And sometimes when I look at it, it doesn't really look like unity to me. It looks more like uniformity. Uniformity. I need you to be just like I am. Or I need you to be like me. It's an, oh no, how can we be uniquely different in terms of our ethnicity but still be unified? And for us as a church, Paul is saying, hey, make every effort to keep the unity that the Spirit gives, the unity that comes from the Spirit. Why is he making this? What, what is special about this kind of unity? Because this kind of unity is the kind of unity that we see, this unique unity that we see in the Trinity, this oneness that he talks about, one Father, one God, one baptism. This, what does it mean to truly be one? And when I think about this oneness, there's a word that I want you to remember. If you don't remember anything else, remember this, 
mutual oneness. Mutual oneness. This is the kind of oneness that Jesus talked about in terms of his relationship with the Father. When he said, me and the Father are one, he was talking about there was such a, a unique, dynamic relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit that they were mutually connected in terms of the deep intimacy that they shared in their relationship. This kind of oneness is not oneness that man can create. This is the oneness that only God does. This is the oneness that he calls us to be a part of in his family. This mutual oneness. And he says here we, we should be eager to, 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 to be a part of this unity that comes from the Spirit, this, this idea of being one. That's why I think Jesus said that, you know, he said, just as, I, just as me and the Father one in John 17, he said, hey, I want you guys to be one just like that. That same kind of oneness that we're called as believers into this oneness. And so when I think about this oneness, this mutual oneness, this deep intimacy, this deep connection and in terms of what it means to really be truly unified, because when Jesus talked in John 17, he said, hey, when you're disunified, then the world will know that the Father sent me. Then the world, when you have this type of oneness, this type of unity, but when we look in our society today, we don't see this type of oneness, do we? <laughs> We don't see this type of mutual connection even within the body of Christ. I mean, shucks, let's just go to social media. And when we look at and our brothers and sisters and we're talking and all of a sudden we look and there's this great divide on what stance you have and what thoughts you have and all of a sudden because you don't agree with what they said, now you're no longer friends or, and you just disconnect even though you're one in Christ. How can we have that type of division if God is calling us to be one? If he's calling us to truly be one, what, what does it mean? Listen, let me just give you an understanding on this mutual oneness. Even though we have different biological fathers, we still, we have the same spiritual daddy. And that spiritual daddy is God the Father. And that spirit in, in, in us, in terms of what connects us, is much deeper than what is in the flesh. And we can't let what we see separate us from who we are in terms of our identity in God and in Christ. You are my brother. You are my sister. And we should be mutually one and act that out in our life in how we love one another because we have the same spiritual dad and we're part of the same spiritual family, amen? <laughs> and so, you know, I think it's so important for us to know this and live this out. Uh, just a year or so ago, I had the opportunity to come and preach at a church that was going through a rough time. This church at that time was called Madison Community Church and they were experiencing some uh, troubling times in, the, in their church. Um, God had called me and my wife to, to start and plant a church. We started a church called Hope City Church, Hope City Covenant Church. And it was a church that was mainly in the inner city. We were doing some things. We were predominantly African-American church with uh, other folks involved, and we were trying to aim towards being a multi-ethnic church. We didn't have a, a building. We, we were going from school to school, from place to place, and just trusting God as, as we did, did ministry. And we came to this church, was a predominantly um, Caucasian church, 
and uh, they were going through some rough times. They had a building and they had all these things, but uh, it was they were experiencing some troubling times. And so they asked me because I was a friend of some of the people in the church I knew. Uh, the, the former pastor, the pastor had left the church and I uh, knew, knew him and they asked if I could do some counseling, if I could come in and just, just share uh, with the church and just kind of talk and counsel and so that's what I did. I came in and counseled and, and talked and, and shared and, and I came and preached a couple of times and, and just, just tried to just bring some love there because they were hurting. They were really hurting. i never forget me and my wife sitting in the meeting with, with, their, with their board and with their, their leadership. And they're like, Harvey, you know, this is cool, you know, uh, you know, you're able to come. Have you ever considered the idea of like us merging churches and like you be the pastor over both of these churches and we just become one church? I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, wow, this is a big task. You think about it, you think about all the details of that and it's just like, oh man, I don't know about this. And so I said, hey, let's all get together and pray. How about your leadership and my leadership get together and we'll just pray and we'll seek the face of God and ask what God what he's doing. And through prayer, through the time of seeking him, through a time of their congregation and our congregations coming together and just spending time in prayer and asking if this is the will of the Lord, God began to confirm and affirm that this was indeed his will. And i never forget when God said to Harvey, you know, I want you to do this. I'm like, Lord, this is a big task. I don't know if I can do this. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, you're made for this. You're made for this. In all of your unique, unique experiences, in all of the things that I've done in your life, and through the experiences that you went through, I brought you up to this moment. You're made for this. Trust me. Trust in my grace. And so we took a big step to merge these two churches that's ethnically different, socially different. <laughs> I mean, you have, you know, when I say socially, uh, yeah, that. It's, it's socially, everything is different about these groups. And all of a sudden, all these groups are now together and we're all there together and we're kind of looking at each other like, okay, what now? What, what? And so in the midst of it, God began to just do this work because the people there are such loving people. Yeah, we had some people leave and, and, and didn't want any part of that, but for the most part, we had people say, I'm staying. This is something God is doing. I want to be a part of it. And the love and the genuineness, I can only say it is the grace of God. And now we began to merge and we formed this one new church that is now called Lighthouse Church. Lighthouse Church a multi-ethnic church, probably the only multi-ethnic church that I know of in Richmond right now. And man, we're, 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 we're trying to lead in this and be intentional in this because the world needs to see this. The world needs to see it. Let me tell you something, don't be afraid to step out and trust God and be bold in terms of what he's calling you to do. Don't let the color of your skin keep you away from God's calling and create a barrier for you. But in love, you step across that barrier because Jesus Christ in love stepped across the barrier. He himself who was word became flesh and dwelled among men and women and related and connected to us despite our ethnicity and skin color. He loved us and died on the cross for us. This is the kind of God that we serve. 
And God says, don't be afraid. In the midst of a pandemic, don't be afraid. In the midst of racial discrimination, in the midst of such hate and violence, don't be afraid because the greater one is on the inside of you. And love never fails. Love never fails. It conquers all things. Conquers all things. And so just, just, just this idea, somebody told me, they said this idea, well, Harvey, you know, uh, I thought we, we, when it comes, we should just leave race at the door when it comes to coming to Christ. It shouldn't be about race. It shouldn't be about color. Matter of fact, you know, Paul in Galatians 3.28 said there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor male or female, all the one in Christ Jesus. And I began to look at that scripture. And what I help the people, the person understand is when Paul is talking here, he's not talking about abolishing ethnicity. He's actually talking about equality. He's saying we're one in Christ, and because of this gospel that has liberated us, you can come in your ethnicity, in your identity of who you are, because we are all equal in him. He is the only one who is superior. And so what Paul was dealing with in that time was the Jews who were saying, if you wanted to be a Christian, you have to be a Jew. In other words, you have to assimilate to the superior culture, or to the superior race. And what Paul is saying, hey, there's no racial superiority, nor social superiority, nor gender superiority in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This violates the truth and the essence of the gospel, that we're all equal in him. And so this idea of preaching this message, it is a liberating message to know that we're equal when it comes to being one in Christ. Now the world will tell you different, but you have to listen to your Lord and Savior who tells you because of love, because of what Jesus done, he did for everybody, and that we're all equal when it comes to him and when it comes to walking in who he is. Amen? And so we have to be intentional in terms of our diversity. We have to be intentional in terms of our worship. And, and for our church, we are very intentional. When you come to our church and you're, you're worship, our worship team is diverse. Our leadership team is diverse. When we do our Bible studies, it's diverse. Our children's ministry is diverse. Our youth ministry is diverse. We are very intentional because we want people to see the accurate picture of the kingdom. We are supposed to reflect that. Now listen, if God is calling you to a rural place where you don't see much diversity, I get it, I understand, uh, but this is what I'm, I want you to understand, that you need to still be living that out in any kind of way you can. Be teaching yourself, become a learner, read books, talk to people, have conversations, challenge yourself to step outside of your comfort zone, to step across that racial barrier to relate to others. And so I'll never forget what me and my, my, my wife did one year, and I'm closing here. We, we had a, 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 a Bible study one time. I was doing student ministry work, and we were working, we were doing ministry with international students at that time, and doing the Bible study, we decided to have a, a, a get-together, a good meal. And we said, hey, we're just going to have a potluck. We're going to just have this table, and we're going to, y'all come over to the house, and we're going to have a good time. And we had all of these different students come, international students, mainly Asian students, come over to our house. And we set the table out. And when you looked at our table, man, it was a spread like no other. <laughs> 
a wonderful array of diverse meals. We had kimchi and collard greens. Did you know kimchi and collard greens can go together? I bet you did. <laughs> we had Szechuan pork and fried chicken. We had tofu and mashed potatoes. We had soy sauce and we had hot sauce. You got to have hot sauce. Huh? Yeah, you got to have. And so we, we had all of this array and we marveled at all of the diverse the things that was on that table. And we began to enjoy and fellowship with one another and eat together and talk and laugh together. But there was a greater picture, this picture of diversity in terms of us coming together and being able to relate and connect. It's a beautiful thing when we bring our uniqueness, when we bring our ethnicity and our identity at the table. It brings glory to God. Let me tell you something. There's another table that's set for you guys, and it's the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's a great banquet that is getting ready to happen. And Jesus is going to be the head of that table. And we're all going to be able to come together and sit at his table and fellowship and relate. And there will be no more pain, no more dying, no more sorrow, no more division, no more hate, no more strife. There will only be love and unity and peace. This is the kingdom of God and this is what we have to live out in our society today that we at one time soon, and it's coming soon, that we will stand before the Lamb and we in our, in our ethnicity, in our ethnic culture, and in our different languages, we will sing and we will say, worthy is the Lamb. The greatness about that is although we are different in our language and culture, we're still singing the same song. And I want you to know this morning that there is a song to sing, and that song is worthy is the Lamb. This is what unifies us. This is what keeps us together. This is what makes us one. It is Him and it's found in the cross. So my encouragement to you all this morning, let's be people of the cross. Let's be followers of Jesus. Let's lead the way. Let's be gentle to our brothers and sisters. Let's be patient to them. Let's be learners. Let's learn together. Let's come to the table and talk and relate. But more than anything, let's bear one another's burdens and love each other deeply. Love each other deeply because love conquers all things and love is the key. Amen. Please bow your hands with me. Father God, we are so thankful for your word this morning. We're thankful, Jesus, that you came in the flesh, the Word made flesh to dwell among us and relate and connect with us, but ultimately to die for our sins, that we would be able to have a relationship with you. And on the third day, you rose from the dead, conquering death and the grave and that you call all to come and know you, to be a part of God's family through following you. Remind us, God, as a family of God, remind us that we're part of a greater kingdom, that we're citizens of heaven. Help us to live that citizenship out on this earth, that people will know and see Christ in us, and that they will know that Jesus is Lord for our love for one another, in our true unity in the faith. Father, help us to lead well. Help us 
to look for opportunities to break those racial barriers through love, through humility, through joy and peace. We ask for your grace now, Father. Come Holy Spirit, bring the true kind of unity that only you can bring in this divided world. We desperately need you and we seek your face. It's in Jesus' name, amen.